Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And listeners, we have a hilarious interview for you today because we're talking to some improvisers slash comedians slash podcast hosts, Aaron Gibson and Brian Safi. So Brian and Aaron both come from that great improvisation background. They are comedy veterans who moved to current TV, which, Kristen, that's where you first saw Aaron, right? Yeah. Um, so Aaron Gibson hosted a segment on the current TV show Infomania called Modern Lady. And I saw it before Stuff Mom Never Told You really got started. And she was doing exactly the kind of stuff, only a lot funnier, that we do now on the podcast, taking these closer examinations of how media represent and sell to women. Mm -hmm. And at the time, she was, like you said, working with Brian Safi, who was uh, another host on Infomania, who did a segment called That's Gay. And they took those a lot of what they were doing in those two segments, talking about women and LGBTQ representation, and now transitioned it into this hilarious podcast, Throwing Shade. And you can also hear a lot of their UCB improv background coming through on the podcast as well, because they just have that quick improvisational and comedic rapport. Yeah, I loved hearing them talk about using their comedy, not only their comedic background, but their comedy skills to talk about more serious issues out there in the news. And speaking of serious issues, Caroline, we should probably give listeners a rundown of how Throwing Shade works so that they'll understand why we ask Brian and Aaron at one point in our interview how they pick out their shoes. <laughs> yeah, we we don't mean their footwear, although I am curious. Yeah. I wish we had asked them about their footwear now. So each week on Throwing Shade, they talk about two issues, which they shorten to shoes because that just makes things more fun. Sure. And Aaron picks a shoe focused on women. Brian picks a shoe focused on LGBTQ stuff. And they talk about it. Mm -hmm. And they throw lots of shade sometimes. And they improvise and they make hilarious jokes. And it's fantastic and really fun to hear similar kinds of things that we talk about on the podcast, but presented in, shall we say, a bodier kind of way. Well, Kristen, now that we've teased everyone with body conversation. Ooh, a body tease. That's an, ooh. Uh, well, let's just let the interview roll. Yeah. Well, uh, Brian and Aaron, for listeners who haven't heard Throwing Shade, how would you two describe it? A descent into madness. But CNN on meth? Yeah. Truly what we do is we each take a look. Aaron takes a look at issues affecting women. I take a look at issues affecting uh, gay people. And we just treat those issues with very little respect, go off into tangents about them, turn them into ridiculous characters, and sort of make fun of the people who are causing problems in this country. Perfect. <laughs> uh, well, so how would you guys describe each other, though? Oh. Oh. Um. Oh. Uh, Brian's white. <laughs> yes. Um. How we describe? I feel like we do. I think we do a thing on the show where we take take turns being straight man's uh, dumb person, mm-hmm. and we kind of like balance that pretty 
flawed and flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we try, we like, we both like being the straight man. And we both like being the clown. So I feel like we've traded off that, that pretty well. Uh, Brian's way more silly. You're sillier. I you guess. like nonsense. I you're, love nonsense. You're more confident with nonsense. Thank you. I like being dirty. Yes. Yeah. And I think like, I think we like, I don't know what I think Aaron does so well is going from taking a, a, making a really super smart point and then making a dumb one seamlessly um, and can flip from one to the next without hesitation. And with the same level of confidence. I think so. Yeah. I think what's interesting about our relationship is that there's not, like Aaron said, there's not really a straight man in this dynamic. We both love being Silly, and we both love being serious and wrong and wrong for the for the reasons of just being funny. Yes, you know um, we love defending idiots. We when we started this show, we started it out of just a. We had done another show where we did uh, similar pieces, but they, it was on a television network, so we didn't have a lot of freedom. But one of the reasons that we really wanted to start the show is so we could do exactly what we want on the show, and I think what we want and what we like is very similar. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of. One thing that I think makes our show, um, that's why, why we're basically always on the same page. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I was uh, watching some current TV, which is the network you were talking about, where you did the segments. Brian, you hosted That's Gay, and Aaron, you hosted Modern Lady. And could you talk a little bit then about, um, just for listeners who might not be aware of kind of the format of those and how podcasting has maybe allowed you to take that even farther. Yeah. So for, for me, for that's gay, it was really just scouring every news station, everything that talked about that's gay essentially looked at how gay people and gayness in general was perceived by the often clueless media. So we would find a ton of clips to support our arguments. Like if I was talking about how gay characters in commercials are sometimes very hidden, or if I was talking about how the gay best friend has sort of become this weird, horrible archetype in uh, television and in movies, we would have to find all the clips to support those arguments. So it was a pretty exhaustive research-wise. And then the points we would make, because we each just had segments that they would break out online, were about three minutes each. So we got to make a point, but we had to do it very, very quickly and very, very succinctly. And there really wasn't any time to sort of go off into our own senses of humor and, and really, like, I don't know, sort of go into the silly territory and really say everything we wanted to say. It sort of had to be packaged very succinctly and very nicely. I enjoyed that a lot. But and backed up by almost like an academic Right. Filter, um, hence all the research. Like, here's here's my opinion, but I also have to back it up with all these facts. Right. Like, I can say gay people are often used as just these magical best friends on television shows, but then I have to find ten examples of it from television shows to prove that point. So it was it was very exhaustive, but but it was also I mean it was a cool thing. But this is just so much better to take a story, really think about your opinion on it, and then just go like full throttle, you know pedal to the metal on exactly what you think of it and um, get filthy with it, get crazy with it and just exhaust every other part of it. We don't have a boss and we don't have a network. We, we have no one telling us what we can't do. Really the only checks and balances we have are people tweeting at us going, I didn't like that you said the word panty pudding this week. And then we can go, okay, 
We're probably going to say that again, but thanks for letting us know. Um, Someone once told us our podcast wasn't vegan friendly enough. (laughs) Is it because of the Sunday chickens? Yes. Oh, it might be. It might be. And the yogurt. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but um, our show, Infomania, not Ninfomania, which is what my aunt thinks it's called or was called, um, which was on current TV, was started by Madeline Smithberg, who also started The Daily Show. So we had a a lot of what we did had roots in how The Daily Show also researches or stuff. If you notice, like when John Stewart like makes his point, there's a lot of media footage that backs it up. And so we were kind of doing that in a very distilled way through the scope of, of women's issues and gay issues. And um, I thought I always felt a little bit shackled by that because I didn't love the idea that we had to. I like having the knowledge and having the stuff to back it up, but I don't necessarily like being like, well, it's not your opinion unless it's happening 17 times. Cause there's not always, <laughs> there's not always, sometimes you have like your witch gut that you have to trust. Like, Oh, I think this is a problem. Like for example, I did a whole segment on how every single woman on detective shows on uh, TV have been either a victim of rape or, or a, a or, or a child of rape. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, there, but there's not a lot of de- female detectives on TV, and most of them were either like had some like s- sexual um, trauma trauma in their past. Um, uh, but I mean, is it like an epidemic that's facing women, like affecting women's lives? No, but I think it's an important thing to talk about. So we have that freedom on throwing shade to like be like, hey, maybe this one thing happened, and we can discuss it without it being like a trend piece or right. Or it's, is- it felt like writing a term paper every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it did seem, I mean, not that it was that long ago, but it did seem like those segments, too, even though there was the term paper aspect, were still kind of ahead of its time in terms of anticipating the kind of feminist and LGBTQ pop cultural analysis that now runs the Internet. I have to say, like, in... It- Regarding that show, I think that that show specifically was the best show on current TV and was way ahead of its time. And it's, I feel like it's a real shame that it never truly found its audience because I think it, now it could have cracked it. And like you said, it only ended three and a half years ago. Um, but it see, but all the progress that's happened since 2010 and, or 2011, whatever it was, and now is like. It feels like 20 years have passed. Like people are yeah. just now catching on to the fact this season that Amy Schumer might be a little political. And we're finally ready for that. You know, and, and it's, it's a very different world than it was even a couple of years ago. Well, so in terms of talking about these issues and using them to look at pop culture, did your interest in that start with that show that you guys did or which, which came first? I think for me, just speaking for me, I was a writer on Infomania before that segment launched. I was writing for the host, Connor Knighton. And, um, I think I just was watching television. I think because of that show, I watched television and saw like, I keep bringing up the thing about the gay best friend because that was my first piece or about no homo, which was another piece I did because because of that show that I started really noticing patterns and became very aware. But I think before I got that job, I was also very, my political fire got started with the Prop 8 campaign here in California. Um, and that's, I think, when I really discovered how politically aware I was. And I think that happened around the same time as Infomania. And I think I just felt supercharged after that to, to get into it. I don't know about you, though. Oh, I have a, a very opposite trajectory. Um, I 
was like a militant feminist in the wrong way in like the early 2000s. My friend gave me a copy of Susan Faludi's Backlash and I would read it and get really mad, but I kind of used it as a tool to read on the elliptical machine at the gym when I lived in Houston so that guys wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> um, and so I kind of had this like, I kind of was wearing feminism like an accessory and not really fully like um, adopting the everything that it means. So when I started at Infomania, I was taking over for um, Sarah Haskins, who was doing an amazing job doing target women. And, um, and I, I really had no idea what I was doing. And on top of that, I was still in that camp of women. That's like, yeah, sure. I'm a liberal. Yeah, sure. I'm a feminist, but, um, maybe you shouldn't be dressed like that at night. And maybe you shouldn't be, um, putting yourself in dangerous situations. And I think I wasn't all the way 100% aware of what it meant to be like a supportive feminist, politically active and empathetic woman. And, um, looking at the patterns and everything I saw on TV, it kind of opened my eyes to, to all this, you know, the reality of the fact. And, and I think it actually helped me to become like a way better person and I will also way say, cooler person. I will also say that like, we both, we both, trained and come from the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. So I think first, our whole thing has always been the comedy of it, and then just our separate trajectories of how we also became political. Yeah, and I think that's also something that, like, specifically the comedy thing, like, I started doing comedy the minute I left Texas. I was part of Second City in Chicago, and then I moved to L.A. and started doing UCB. I was adamant about being one of the guys and that kind of clouded my vision a little bit on what it meant to support other women, because comedy is so male and so um you know aggro a little bit you kind of as a woman i don't think it's that i don't think it's true now we don't need to get in a long discussion about it but you definitely like you're like i'm not gonna wear a dress on stage i'm gonna wear a t-shirt i'm gonna wear sneakers i'm gonna fit in as much as possible because i don't want to stick out as like necessarily quote unquote a woman or someone with strong views about what it is to be a woman um so i think infomania really gave me permission to do comedy and be a, a strong feminist at the same time well, along those same lines, I am curious to know whether also being in the comedy world directly shaped any of your political, social activism and views, um, rather than them kind of uh, sort of being in separate spheres and then just kind of coming together, if, if comedy itself and being in that environment that uh, maybe in the past, but not as much anymore, was very uh, white, straight bro. Um, had any impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I knew, I think, when I was going through UCB um, and started getting really active, I think I knew three other gay people in the whole program. Uh, and it really was through that. they went, I think it was like, there was a show called $3 Bill at UCB that was okay. at like midnight on like Saturday or maybe Sunday night that would be sort of the gay comedy show. And I remember getting involved in that. And that's how I met all of my friends there. And people were doing political stuff, um, like, you know, like James Jomian or, you know, Drew Drogi, those, those kinds of people. And uh, that's why I became, like, really involved in that. And I think inherently, for at least for me, one went with the other. If you were a gay person in comedy, there was something very already political about that. I think I think that's... It's so, it's so interesting to, to like think about how women and, um, and, uh, women in comedy versus being like 
having your gender, I mean, your, your, um, sexuality kind of out in the open changes your experience in that. Cause I feel like there were, I don't even remember being like it even being a thing of like, Oh, we should start an all female thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the girls and I'm speaking for myself were so afraid of doing something like that to make it seem like, I don't know. It just, I just feel like it didn't happen. There was one female sketch team that happened. Remember that team for a little bit, but yes. then they got disbanded. I, I don't know. It's just it's such a different thing. I think I think all of the comedy theaters in general are just way less like that now. Yeah, I would say like at least going to UCB and the Groundlings. It's a it's a much I don't know. It's a much more exciting atmosphere than it used to be, and certainly more diverse and way bigger. Yeah, that's true. Well, what would you think would account for that? Just more attention to, to diversity or yeah I, I i think i think there is way more attention to diversity i feel like it's only been in the last maybe 2 to 3 years that the general population has finally decided that women are funny <laughs> maybe less i don't know i feel like it's been very very recent um I, I, and it 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 feels it's so funny when people say that it's happening so fast because it does feel like it's happening so fast, but it, I mean, it didn't. Yeah. It, it's taken a long time that people are finally emerging. When you see shows like Amy Schumer Broad City on a network like Comedy Central, that would be unthinkable a few years ago. That wouldn't happen. And so I, I, I really think it's just, you know, I think, I think so many things are I think there's a lot it. of guys too who are working behind the scenes, like Paul Feig, who's mm-hmm. like, I want to put women front and center. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're funny. I think they can carry an all female Ghostbusters. I mean, do you know how many, like, of the Venn diagram of everything that I would like to happen in my life, how many the, that just a female Ghostbusters hits? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, and I think that it's just about having, like, for, for, for the LGBT community and, and, and ladies on the inside of Hollywood, like it, we need allies. We need people who are unfortunately straight white men who are going to be like, no, it's wrong that we have a f-ing cartoonish guy with the boa coming in the room and being like, I'm here, you know, like to, to eradicate that stuff. And then, and then we'll finally like Amy Schumer and, and other people have done, they take control of it themselves, but. Well, so at what point did you guys decide to shift to podcasting? Why why do a podcast after your comedy? Because it was just the, the one thing, I think, that was completely unfiltered, that we got to write our own rules. There was certainly no world in which, you know, a woman and a gay man were going were gonna to make any waves on a television show at that point. No. I mean, it was kind of current, and that was or, – or a web series, I guess we could have done. But this was just so – I don't know. The podcasting it's thing easy. Was, so, I mean, was so natural for us, so easy. We both – love talking nonstop. We both think the other is hilarious and, and, you know, we're sort of like, let's do this. We both like one-upping each other's jokes. I mean, we really do. I mean, Brian and I, I'll speak for both of us. We love improv. I mean, we, we were, you know, definitely facets at UCB in, in many different ways. And this is a performance for an audience of each other. Yeah. And, um, if nothing else, it keeps us fresh every week. Oh my God. Yeah. So, how do you pick your shoes? Because it's got to be hard sometimes to just pick one. There's so many possible shoes. How do you pick them? I pick for me. I pick the one that I think will be the funniest. Um, I, I don't. I try to because it is first and foremost a comedy podcast. I try not to pick something that I don't think I'll be I'll be ever to wrap my that I'll be you know that, that won't be funny at all that I can't wrap my brain around well how am I going to make this awful story about some horrible hate crime funny? 
Um, and so, yeah, we do go through a few and it, you know, a lot of them are very depressing, but at the end of the day, I really just want to find someone who's doing something horrible and really tear them apart. Um, That's really the fun and make it. it more fun. Especially if someone has some, has said something really dumb that we can really get. Like I remember our most recent one was there was this woman who runs Go Ape Marketing in Dallas and she wrote this kind of anti-woman uh, Facebook rant about how why Hillary can't be president. And one of the phrases she used was let the haters begin before she started her rant. And I was, I was like, I love this phrase so much. And I just picked it because I was like, this is the dumbest thing yeah. anyone could have said. Let the haters begin. It was like full blown my mom tr- thinking that she got it right. Yeah. And this woman has the nerve to have pictures of herself in sandals and shorts on her business website. I mean, she, she's really doing it all mom. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's so many, the problem is, the problem and the gift is that there are so many awful things happening to both of our groups and, you know, the overlap of that. Um, there are stuff that, like, I, I never talked about, um, the, the woman from, um, I think, oh yeah, Columbia who did the carry that weight performance, not a performance mm-hmm. piece, but she carried the mattress that she was sexually assaulted on around campus for many, many months to graduation. All, you know, it's that, like Brian's saying, it's really hard for me to make that funny because it's really serious and a real problem. So it's, it, it's, it's really a fine line of like, we don't, we, we do like taking the piss out of serious stuff, but there's also a thing of like, we also don't want to be disrespectful to people who've gone through some terrible shit. Do you ever hear from listeners who are offended at how you present or talk about a shoe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it doesn't happen that often, not, but it does. Yeah, I would say like maybe once a month we probably get something like, oh, I wish you wouldn't have said this about such and such person. And the thing is, is like, I, I think there's only been a couple times where I, I even felt that that person was even... Right. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think that we have ever tried to intentionally hurt the wrong person or group. But yes, we do. There are people who are very, I'm sure you guys do too. Don't you constantly get criticisms? Oh, people yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. Especially with critiquing that- language and things like that. Oh, I, let me tell you something. I get mansplained every single thing I say wrong, either if it's a, on purpose I've said it wrong or on accident. Um, so Brian actually corrected me on the podcast this week that T-Boz is alive and it was Left Eye who died and corrected me on the podcast and someone tweeted at me, <laughs> T-Boz is still alive. And I was like, what, what are you doing with your time? <laughs> if you had waited one more second. Also, if I cared about which member of TLC <laughs> was alive or dead, I wouldn't be able to dedicate my time to someone I actually care about. Right. <laughs> well, it's just the difference between someone who, for instance, as I was listening to that episode, I thought, oh, no, she's talking about left eye. But I would never tweet you that. You know, it's, <laughs> oh, I we get full on letters. By the way, me more than Brian, I've talked about on the podcast it's just a, it's a hard line to do because we, we to toe because like we are very political so we do we do capture like a very left leaning liberal America and sometimes sorry to say a small percentage of those people don't have a sense of humor. Oh, I, I fully agree. I don't. I think honestly, I think watchdogs in any party are the worst, and and whether it's 
you know, a, a gay watchdog or a female watchdog or a straight white male dude watchdog. They're the worst, but they love it. Sometimes I think, like, when I get her, like, a corrective email or something, I, I think, like, I bet Dick Cheney would have thought this was funny. <laughs> like, you're correcting me, but I bet Dick Cheney would laugh. Yeah. Like, the opposite worst person on the other side. Someone actually tweeted me yesterday to inform me that in our most recent podcast, when I had meant to say the show Laguna Beach, I said the OC instead. Very like, important. Thank you. Thank you for you that. Are, you, what that person is essentially doing is going home, flipping open their laptop, connecting to Wi-Fi, logging in, and sending you that email. That's insane. Yeah, we did get a letter that was pretty crazy not too long ago that it was incredibly long and it was berating us for, for something. And I thought, well, well, certainly this person just got so mad that they had to go home and bang out this email and just send it. Except that the email had a PS and the PS said, after reviewing my email several times, I still stand by everything I said. And so, God, you have to really care that what? we are so wrong. You have to care. I have to be honest with you. I respect the crap out of that person. And I, <laughs> I don't know what they said, but I'm going to go ahead and side with them on this one. For at least proofreading it. And exactly. Consider they stuck you with their what? convictions. You know what, y'all? It, honestly, this is these are good problems to have because if people weren't emotional and weren't invested, they wouldn't do this stuff. And and that's, that just means that we're reaching people, even if it's about whatever someone had the guts to PSU and double down on. <laughs> I do just love, I, I totally agree with you. God bless them all. I do just love someone listening to throwing shade or to your <laughs> podcast and being indignified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like... But the grammar was impeccable. I mean, I can give right. him that. I'll appreciate that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, so you guys have such a wonderful rapport, such a great rhythm. Are feminasties and homosexuals natural allies, or do you guys just have something magical? <laughs> well, here's what Aaron and I have talked about. I think that underneath it all, this, the, the homophobia and sexism and mis- is really all just misogyny. It's people being afraid of something feminine or something that they consider female. I think that a lot of people who hate gay people do it because they think there's something, I don't know, womanly about it. Yeah. Um, and so I think they are natural allies. I think they also should be natural allies. Yeah. And um, however, I do like to also think that Aaron and I do have a very specific special bond that, you know, that really I don't think can be messed with. But honestly, for two people who into the same kind of people, we really never talk about, have we ever talked about sex once? I mean, honestly, truthfully. No, not yeah. like real, not in real words. No. Not like. Not like how I do with like my friend Allison. No. Not how I do with my mom. No. <laughs> Uh, I don't talk to my mom about my sex life. Um, No, I think, so yeah, I do think that we have a very sort of specific, exciting bond in that, you know, um, I don't know, it almost feels like a sibling, you know, like I feel like we have that kind of thing together where we love to rib each other, we love to get the best of each other, and we love to see the best of each other. I think our parents are also very similar in like, maybe not identical, but just we were both raised in the South, we both were raised in like, Maybe not conservative, conservative households, but like conservative environments. Yes. There were things expected of us in a, in a Southern way that, that we kind of fought against. So there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of that kind of upbringing mm-hmm. that we, that we share. Gives I, a similar perspective. Nobody loves queso like we do. That's true. <laughs> 
So Throwing Shade is ultimately a comedy podcast, obviously, but you still tackle these serious issues and things that, you know, aren't so comfortable to talk about all the time. So what's your take on how humor can sometimes address those kinds of things like homophobia, misogyny, inequality, etc., more effectively than the more academic think piece newsy style? I just think it's easier to listen to. I think you're much more willing to open your mind if you're actually listening. Um, I, I'm not saying all think pieces are bad, certainly not, but I don't know. After a few paragraphs of one, sometimes you feel like you're getting yelled at. Sometimes you feel like you're getting guilted into something. Also, those are nice things to feel. And I think, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if you're laughing, you are also inherently listening. And comedy is by nature inclusive. Like you need, you need the approval of an audience to be, to so everyone's having a good time. And I don't think think pieces necessarily have to take that into consideration or right. some talking head on, on a news program. They don't, Give a poop if you're if you if you're if you're like engaged. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just a lot of people are just there to talk, and we certainly are. But we also 100% care about if people are having a good time. Right? Like I feel like I, I've never read a think piece that's like I'm just like you. <laughs> like I've never heard one start like that. And and I think comedy is such an underdog thing that I think you know it's easier to it's easier to absorb that kind of thing than have a bullhorn. That being said, I do think there are sometimes comedians who don't, who do try to use comedy, but they still are a little bit, there is this weird sub niche, if that's even a word, of like political comedians who like talking over people's heads, mm-hmm. who like being the smartest person in the room. And I think what works about Brian and I's podcast, specifically in the political realm, is that we will talk under you. Yeah. <laughs> We're really working with the lowest common denominator, but about things that are Pretty heady. So. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why it's so appealing to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so the the phrase, the actual phrase throwing shade has been having quite a pop cultural moment. It seems like just about even my mother, I feel like, is using the term throwing shade. Um, have, yeah. pe- have people ever taken issue with your use of it? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's happened, I think, a couple times of you mean just like misappropriation. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, well, should we tell people what it's, it, it, the, the term comes from, but the first time we heard it was from that documentary, Paris is Burning. Yes. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So that was the first, and I think that was sort of the intro of it to the world was, you know, because I remember the big title card in that movie that says shade and then Dorian Corey explaining what that means. Um, and so I think we just took it. From from that and being obviously huge lovers of that movie, all things queer and especially that movie, and and so that's where we took it from. I don't think though. I think we're actually using it pretty literally. So I, I think people who take an issue with it have never listened to the show for sure. Um, but uh, but I would say by and large, I think I remember like one time or two times getting a tweet about that. Yeah. I do think it's it's being used a lot and maybe by the wrong people, but we are actually doing it. So So what can we look forward to on Throwing Shade? There's a word of a live tour? Yeah, our tour will be on the site, ready to go. We're doing a huge 17-city tour this year. And it's a, we're doing 17 cities, East Coast, West Coast, down the middle, Texas, Canada. And this is our third year going on tour, and um, we're really excited. We have um, 
we're getting separate hotel rooms this year, so we're very excited about we're being that. Real adults about it. Um, and but with the joining go- doors, right? <laughs> oh, cool. Definitely. yeah. Full whatever movie that would be from. Vacation? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we can, we, our deal is that hotel rooms have to be next door and we have to enter the door at the same time and leave the door at the same yes. time so that they slant at the same time. And it's hard to do because there are hotel doors. So one opens one way and one opens the other. It's very difficult. It's and like then an also we have to put a glass up to the wall so that we can talk to each other through the wall. <laughs> I'm picturing like total sleepover bathrobes. Hopefully it's a hotel. Oh yeah. Bathrobes. We can do it. Face mask, coconut <laughs> yeah. oil. Now, do you all have any pre-live show rituals, aside from opening the door at the same time? We each have a vodka. I'm, I don't think I'm going to have one this year. I know. We might not do that we, this year. We kind of stopped. We certainly don't get drunk, but we'll have one drink before the show. No, I got drunk last year in Chicago. After the show. <laughs> Remember when someone said, Aaron spilled a martini on my shoe, and <laughs> because I was so drunk, I spilled. Was that after the show? Yeah. That was after the show. Erin thought that martinis were more than just alcohol, legitimately. She thought it was like a mixed drink. It's and happened to the best mart- of us. She had like six martinis. I've I never was, seen her like this in my life. By the way, and my, the next day, my I was like, oh, it's Chicago. I used to live here. I'll stay. I'll check out of the hotel. Then I'll go around town, see all my old haunts. Then I'll go to the airplane, airport at 6 p.m. Well, after se- I threw up all day. Oh. <laughs> Walking around Chicago, throwing up in different parts that I used to, just different buildings I used to be. <laughs> how's, how's this for a sales pitch? Throwing shade is a lot of sober fun. <laughs> Come see we're performing exclusively in church basements. <laughs> if you can play organ, email us. Yeah. No, it is. A, it, it's a fun show. We we do. Do we have pre-show rituals? We don't really. We work out sometimes, or we'll go. We, oh sit, yeah. we sometimes sit in silence. Yeah, yeah. It's we fun. We're fun. Hey, here's the thing. We save it all for the stage. That's right. There you go. <laughs> we do. Um, wait, I was going to say something about the show. Oh, we. You know, a lot of people. Um, a lot of podcasts when they do live shows, it's seated. They, there's. It's this thing where they sit down at a table and 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 have like the mic seated and it's very like almost like a like a book panel or like a talk. Ours is like a full production show. It's like, a two person stand up. We're we're up. We're out in the audience. We're including everybody. It's it's not like we're sitting down recording a show. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but no. ours is like full frantic. You get all of our ADD. You get all of our anxiety. Yeah. You get all of our neediness. If you've ever seen Singing in the Rain, it's exactly like that. <laughs> You're just running up walls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Full umbrellas. Yes. Can't wait. Are you all coming through Atlanta by any chance? Yes. We are. Oh my god. Well, we're in Atlanta, so we're well, coming like August fifteenth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And where can people go to find out more about you? Listen to the podcast and all that good stuff. Our Twitter's and Instagram. Uh, my, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Brian Soppy, which is just my name. And I'm at Gibblertron, G-I-B-B-L-E-R-T-R-O-N. And then all of our information is on ThrowingShade.com. Yeah. Fantastic. Amazing. Thanks, ladies. Big fan of your podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you Thank so you. much. much again to Aaron and Brian of Throwing Shade. We loved talking with these guys, and we really hope that you enjoyed this episode as well. So now let's hear from our listeners. Do you guys also listen to Throwing Shade? Did anything that we talked about strike a nerve, or did you even listen? I, are, are you still there? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> um, and again, Brian and Aaron 
are on tour. Their live shows are hilarious. They are part stand-up, part podcast, and you definitely don't want to miss them because these two are comedy geniuses. So head on over to throwingshade.com to not only learn more about Aaron and Brian and the podcast, but also find out if they're coming to a city near you. And like Caroline said, we want to hear from you as always. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now. received a bunch of letters after our uh, female urination device or stand to pee device episode basically you know our episode on on pee funnels um and we've heard from a lot of you guys who use these devices on your many adventures and so we want to read a couple letters from folks who have done all sorts of amazing things while packing a pee funnel with them okay so this one is from uh julie she says, so glad to hear you discuss the FUD. I've told so many women about it to a response of polite silence. But really, it is so empowering in the best way. I hike, kayak, gorilla farm, commute in Atlanta, and long-distance travel on the train. I keep a FUD in my purse, car, and hydration backpack, each one tucked in a soft-sided zippered pencil case. It fits great in cargo pants or dress pants pockets. That and a silk undercover bra stash for some cash and a credit card. So good to go, pun intended. The side benefit is giving the man in your life a start and the ladies in the stalls next to you a moment of pause. I like my pee style, but let me know when the Hello Ladies version comes out. Too much fun. And of course, Julie is referring to our mention of how we'd love to have a sminty branded Hey Ladies pee funnel. We can still do it. We can still do it. Like, we've gotten so many emails about this. I'm not even kidding. People are super excited about this. I think at least four people would buy them. <laughs> so. And maybe half of those would buy gifts as well. So yes. We'd, we'd get up to maybe eight. Yeah. If there are any uh, venture capitalists listening, <laughs> we've got $20 to put in your pocket. That's right. <laughs> so I've got a letter here from Kirsty also about our FUD episode. She writes, I just finished your FUD podcast. Hilarious and informative as always. I work for a UN agency and spend a lot of time in the field interviewing and filming the stories of forcibly displaced people. And a FUD is standard in my equipment now, though not always. About a year ago, I was at a camp in the Democratic Republic of Congo. In many of the refugee camps, there aren't really any sanitary facilities. Safe facilities for women who've been forced to flee is about so much more than hygiene, also key to protecting against risks of SGBV. But we've never had enough funds, and family and staff live with less than desirable facilities. Like you said, I'd become an expert at drinking just the right amount of water to cope in the heat and physically do my job without passing out or needing to pee, and it's not healthy. This particular trip, I spent three days with one family, and on one day we walked about 40 minutes outside of the camp to a small stream and water hole where the husband would do the family washing. I remember walking out of this thicket of tall trees, and my bladder was assailed by the sound of tinkling water. I had to pee. I held on while we finished filming that particular segment, then ran about 10 minutes up the track to the maize fields, and I found a secluded spot. No fud, so I had to do the squat, and as I'm a nervous peer, it took a while to get going. Paranoid about poisonous snakes, but more worried someone would walk down the track as I struggled to pee. 
I moved back to the herby thickets behind me. Eventually, I finished, did the shake, no toilet paper either, pulled up my trousers and headed off back to work. Hand sanitizer is an aid worker's best friend. When I finally sat down in our vehicle to leave the camp that night, I felt like I'd been whipped across the backs of my upper thighs and bum. A two and a half hour painful car journey bouncing down non-existent roads and I got back to our accommodation and realized I must have brushed against some toxic or poisonous plant while peeing. By that night, sitting was excruciating. As it happened in the Congo and with a slightly overactive imagination, I did think maybe this was the beginning of the end. What if I died from poisonous stings to my bottom? (laughs) What would they tell my loved ones or say at my funeral? No heroics in that. All from not being able to pee standing up. The only colleague with me was my male photographer, who was fortunately a trained medic. I was in so much discomfort in the end that I showed him, and he provided antihistamines, which helped reduce the welts. I was fine in a couple of weeks, but my pride was tender a little longer. Since then, I've taken a FUD on each trip and have tried a couple of brands. Freshette is the best for my kind of work and comfort. As with everything, practice makes perfect, but the trick is that you have to think carefully about the underwear you choose when you might have to use one. I find a G-string or very stretchy bikini pants are okay. Otherwise, you still have to pull your trousers and underwear down. As always, being a woman, there are so many things to coordinate for daily work wear. So thanks, Kersey, for sharing that story. And, I mean, that really drives home the importance of these things existing. They have so many practical applications. So keep sending your stories because, yeah, we want to hear about how you pee, too. Sure. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our videos, blogs, and podcasts, including this one with links to learn more about Aaron, Brian, and Throwing Shade, head on over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 